Hailing frequencies open and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and even though Picard doesn't like sci-fi, it turns out he's a Three Musketeers fan. Nice one, JL. You're back in the fold. Joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? Um, I'm great. This I really liked this episode, so I'm having a great time. <laughs> great. It's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hold those thoughts. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, before we continue here, if you are a real milk drinker like in your coffee or just uh in your cereal or whatever or if you were a milk substitute person um when i when i have milk i'm a milk substitute person what's your substitute of choice um probably almond ah i see (laughs) (laughs) this is great star trek podcasting I'm, I'm (laughs) i'm shopping around because I'm trying to get off milk uh, myself, and I just got a thing of coconut milk, and I've been Ooh. trying that, and I don't love it. Uh, I think do it you would my, be... Do you want my hot tip from a from a previous vegan? Sure. Start uh, start by just buying lactose-free milk, uh-huh. and then you'll feel better, but it'll feel like you're drinking normal milk, and then eventually you'll just want to drink almond milk, because after a while, it'll be like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> but at first, it's great. Okay. All right. Well, then that's what I'm going to have to do because this coconut milk is not doing it for me. I should have poured some whiteout in there. It'd be the same thing. Probably tastes better. Uh, Also joining us on the show tonight, he's a frequent guest on Discoverage and on Enterprising Individuals. He's the author of multiple Star Trek novels and short stories. His most recent novel, Dead Endless, is a Star Trek Discovery story, and it's available now. Dave, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. And I don't usually drink milk, but if I do, it's in the form of ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> um, although I've heard very good things about cashew milk, if you want to Ooh. Oh. oh, is that, is that good? Soap. Yeah, it's like drinking cashew butter. Have you ever had cashew butter? Oh, I was going to say. It's like drinking cashew butter. Yeah. It's very like crunchy. Cashews, so I, I, <laughs> I like salty milk. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have unsalted cashews, not that I would want them, but <laughs> I, I, I I've I've actually never tasted cashew milk, so I should not really. I just saw it in the store, and I thought that's. I don't even know how they milk them. I uh, boy, uh, I uh, joke recognized. Uh, I uh, I need a milk flight. You know, I need to go to like a, a milk bar <laughs> or something and just try a flight of uh, different ones, some milk shooters. Uh, Dave, uh, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, congratulations on your most recent book, which I've been looking at the uh, reviews and the notices for it, and they are all very high, high praise for Dead Endless. I, I have been uh, honored and, and thrilled to see a lot of uh, good reviews out there. I have unfortunately um, seen some ratings that were, you know, I didn't like it uh, on hmm. Goodreads, but nobody says why. So should we, I mean, should we, I mean, I don't want them to make it up, but I'm, I'm curious as to what boxes I didn't tick because that can only help my future work improve. So that's right. It's made, it's made me sad because I tend to discount the highest praise and the, and the lowest, uh, I don't know, pitchforks and, and, uh, and torches. Um, and, uh, I need, I need what's in between. (laughs) 
Is that wait? I just got that. Is it Pitchfork the music site? Is that what that is? It's like Pitchforks, I, but also it's sort I, of like pitch like music. No, I, <laughs> I meant I meant like the villagers who come with pitchforks right. and torches and want to kill you because they hate Frankenstein's new album, right? Uh, <laughs> well, but I can. Now, I can see- but now, if somebody doesn't like your book, you can just say they're homophobic. <laughs> it's, it's it's the easiest route possible. I, I will say the the first bad Goodreads rating that I got that wasn't a review. I was just out of out of curiosity. I checked, and the person's all five stars reviews were very right wing books, and I thought <laughs> hmm, that could have something to do with it. Thanks for all I'm saying is if, the they're, if they're not saying why they don't like it, I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of the reviews I. I a lot of the reviews I've seen, people are saying why they like it. One of the things that I've seen multiple times is that people really enjoy the depiction of the characters and think that Dave uh, captures them perfectly, one reviewer says. Well, it's very kind. It's what I try to do. And uh, uh, I, I hope that uh, I hope that more people uh, read this book just because I love those two characters and I think they'd get uh, – I think they'd get a lot out of those two characters, and hopefully it would inform the show. I got a nice enough note from Wilson Cruz, who plays Dr. Culber, who said the backstory that I gave his character is pretty much the same backstory that he had for him. And that was that was a hell of a thing for the actor to tell me. That's really great. Oh. It must be really weird to read a book that is based on a character you're currently playing, and then so much of the background of the character and the way they're depicted is the way you're doing it. It's got to be like an out-of-body experience. And, and his, his, his face is up his, and of course, Anthony Rapp's faces are on the cover. Yeah. And, and that's, that's gotta be, I mean, to be pushed into Star Trek stardom like that. And all of a sudden you're walking through a store and you, it's one thing for me to have my name on a book, but to have your face on it has to be a whole different level. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And some people, kind of understand what they're getting into and some people don't <laughs> but hopefully uh things work out for them i read somewhere that michelle heard uh was a a big star trek fan growing up and is sort of a trekkie and so when she uh, landed this role she's like oh boy here we go yeah this is it i'm gonna i'm in trek and, and by the way i think she's so far one of the one of the better parts of uh of this show. I'm really glad that she's there. I've liked her ever since I, I saw her in the first couple of seasons of law and order SVU. She's sure. a, she's a really good actress. So it's nice to see her again. Yeah. She's great. Well, uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, we have just seen the fourth episode of the new CBS all access series, Star Trek Picard. It's an episode called absolute candor, uh, not absolute condor as I misread it at one point, that'd be a really big condor. And before we start, and as always, we're setting a course for the Spoiler Zone, listeners, so be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episodes, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Absolute Condor... I actually wrote Condor down. Candor (laughs) is... The crew's journey to Free Cloud takes a detour when Picard orders a stop at the planet Vashti, where Picard and Musiker relocated Romulan refugees 14 years earlier. Upon arrival, Picard reunites with Elnor, a young Romulan he befriended during the relocation. Meanwhile, Narek continues his attempts to learn more about Soji, while Rizzo's impatience with his lack of progress grows. This episode was written by Michael Shaben, and I've wrung out everything I can think of to say about Michael Shaben at this point. Uh, you get it. And probably this is also true of our director this week, Jonathan Frakes, who I'm sure most Trek fans are familiar with, both in front of and behind the camera. 
for this episode. I'm wondering if we're uh, start to see any uh, star dates uh, get used at all, since we're not really on a Starfleet ship. But this episode does follow the previous uh, the, the previous episodes in the way that we have a flashback at the beginning, set in 2385. And then, of course, the main action of the show is in 2399. There's a couple interesting aspects to this episode. The Wallenberg class is a ship that's mentioned in the episode as the class of ships that were being used in the evacuation effort. And they're most likely named for Raoul Wallenberg, a Swedish diplomat who rescued thousands of Jews from Nazi-occupied Hungary in World War II. Of course, this episode introduces the character of, of Elnor to the show, played by actor Evan Evagora. Uh, Elnor first appears in the episode as a child, played by Ian Nunny, and the full crew now, with the appearance of Seven of Nine at the end of the, uh, end of the episode, is now aboard the La Serena. So we've got our full deck here. This is also the first ever Star Trek episode to feature no uniformed Starfleet members, and this episode does not feature Brian Brophy as Bruce Maddox yet. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of Absolute Candor? And be honest. You go. You go first. Me go first. Yeah, yeah you Dave. go first. Oh, um, I think it's been the best episode to date, um, uh, pacing wise. Um, I will say, uh, I am far more interested in the Picard part of the storyline, both the flashback and what we saw, uh, than what's taking place on the artifact. Just because I feel that's intentionally moving a bit slowly and I kind of understand why they have to do that. Uh, but at the same time, it's not that I'm losing interest in it. I just, I want more from it. And I feel like right. I'm being, it's just drip drip as opposed to I'm getting a lot more backstory and flashback uh, and not in flashback necessarily, but in uh, the Picard part of it. I'll also say this. I love Picard more every episode than I ever did on TNG in the, in the movies. And I loved him then um, <laughs> because he's more flawed now. Not only does he have regrets, but he doesn't even see all of the regret, the regrets that we can see him have. Sure. Because I'll tell you when he was talking to Elnor, is it just Elnor? Mm-hmm. I yeah. almost want to say Eleanor, but I it's know, right? Elnor. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he was talking to Eleanor and Eleanor was basically reaching out to Picard and saying, why do you want me? Meaning me as me, not me as my skills. Right. Picard totally missed it. Yeah. And um, (laughs) that to me was an excellent moment because quite frankly, that's how we are as people. Sometimes we, we just, we're so focused on, on our, our current need that we sometimes don't see the needs of others around us and that he's that human and I know that it's, he's going to come to it during the end of this, I mean, in this arc at some point, um, <laughs> because why else would you have it there? Um, and, and also, I'll tell you something else I said to my wife as, the, as we were watching the show. I actually paused and I said, this dialogue sings. It was yeah. just really great dialogue. So I was enthralled, and I'm not even talking about any of the action that happened toward the end. I was just enthralled with the words that the people were saying and the emotions they were feeling. Yeah. Well, it's got to be tough. I mean, he did save the entire galaxy by going back in time to the beginning of, you know, life on Earth with a godlike being. So it's got to be hard to come back to uh, the ready room after that and not feel like, oh, I think I know Nobody what I'm doing. I got this going that. on. What's that? Even Nobody even knows about that. No, but he does, though. I'm just saying. That's like, probably classified. 
the legend of Picard uh, in his own mind is uh, definitely embossed. What about you, Ella? Um, I am on the exact same page. I even the first scene of this episode, I was like, this is like, this is different. And I yeah, it's definitely my favorite episode so far by by a long shot. And yeah, I love Picard so much. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I also agree that the stuff on the artifact is getting it's a little it's stagnating a bit. Um, So I hope that they are able to do something a little bit more interesting with that next week, because um, yeah, definitely. It's just it's just like it's a little uncomfortable to watch. And then they're not it's like a mystery, but we're not getting enough clues. And so this this episode especially, I was like with such interesting stuff happening with Picard and on the ship. It was like I really felt like I was waiting through those scenes just to get back. It does. I mean, I know that they're holding it back because it can't lap the uh, the Picard side of the story. But do you think also from a character point of view, uh, it's sort of lagging because there's something that Narek has to do to get what he wants uh, that will be very harmful to Soji, either just, you know, her, her person or just his relationship with her, that he does not want to pull the trigger on, on whatever this is and destroy what, what they've got. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like, well, we were talking about this last week a little bit where it's like, oh, with the, the evil characters. And it's so it's like every week it's like, oh, cute, kind of cute scene with like slightly threatening undertones. And then the the <laughs> big, deep, dark, evil character, like we're they're in bed this time. It's kind of, it's all slimy and gross. Um, and uh, they're not really, you know, they're not really growing. We're not really finding out anything new about them that his sister i they're not i don't think because it's creepier if it's his sister (laughs) i don't think she's his real sister do you do we think that that's real that they're uh romu lannisters as uh, my friends on the antimatter pod say (laughs) yeah Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Trek is Trek has gone a lot of places. You know, we get another. The, the, my problem with the uh, f bombs is that they're just so clearly, you know, in the middle of the kitchen, looking right in your parents' eyes. F bomb. Do you know what I mean? They're not like <laughs> they're not casual in any way. And but I was thinking about I it today. The if, today was casual. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of he kind of throws it off. But if like Rio says it, that was yeah. Rio said it. and I'm like, well, we said we wanted a show that's in the underbelly. We're not in a military uh, discipline structure anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see people just tossing off I, casual. Profanity. I haven't minded any of the f bombs. His, I felt, was just sort of tossed in there. The others, I felt, were I think a little more earned because it came from emotion. But then again, uh, when children are not around, I can use an f bomb here or there. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of get it. It is real. Um, it's certainly less. Uh, uh, squeezed in than the the one on Discovery sort of uh, felt. <laughs> sure, um, but, but I uh, but you know that's also Tilly. But but I will say this: I loved the hospitality hologram saying that the captain prefers to keep his own company, which is just a, the cutest wink to all of the holograms <laughs> like him. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was awesome. And by the way, I love those holograms. I just do. I think They're... that is a really really unique story. <laughs> It's it's a good little insight into his character, and I love that they all have different accents. Well, and the more we see of them, the more that like the first episode was kind of like 
I was like confused, but the more we see of them and like how their personalities are different, I'm yeah, I'm loving them. I like them the more that I see them as well. Um, something that I really liked was Picard's safari outfit that we see at the beginning of the episode when he beams down and he's he looks like the man in the yellow hat. He looks like he looks like um he's he wants to be Indiana Jones' dad. <laughs> uh, see, I you know what I got from that? I saw I saw into him as here's this little European man. Literally. Yep. He just looked like somebody you would meet on the streets of Europe who is gonna be out in the sun and so put on his hat and he's got his light colored suit to reflect the light. I I I I saw that as a, a very European sort of way to dress and uh, spoke more to his culture, uh-huh. um, which is supposed to be France, not England. Well, um, and, uh, I mean, in England, you'd be wearing a scarf and a wool coat. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I actually like how they've had him, had him dressed, and I also like how it's normal clothes. You know, in Star Trek, we see Starfleet yes. uniforms, and we see alien things, and the... If you think about it, Earth fashion has certainly changed in the last several hundred years, but not that much. People right. are still wearing pants and coats and shoes and and things with buttons, you know, even though we have – look, we invented Velcro, but my pants don't Velcro closed because I'm not <laughs> free anymore. Sure. Uh, or you're he also, brave his, his, uh, his leather jacket, though, that was very – that looked very, like, next-gen to me, the – Maybe not next gen, but yeah. his leather jacket had the the different yeah, colored so top. Right, right. Yeah, I like that he carries the knapsack around with him too. Yeah, I got kind of a like a colonial sort of feel out of it. You know, like this this white man in a, in a linen suit is going and visiting these minority characters who live in a village. You know, with palm trees and things like that. And uh, there was a that, that's an interesting call. Like I kind of I kind of can see that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Also, the maybe I'm crazy because, but the first couple of shots, I, I swear there were Romulans that had like, like dark makeup on. Not clearly we had like, like black Romulans in this episode, but I swear there was, there were some actors with some some interesting foundation choices. Oh, uh, at the very face? beginning, yeah, well, and I, I was like, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be green. It. <laughs> I'm serious. People who were flushed because it's hot or something like that, because they would like we would blush red. They would blush green, wouldn't they? Oh, huh. See, this this is why I love having Dave on the show. Um, <laughs> did, did we this? So I want to ask, since we've got Dave on the show, Dave, is the flute theme that that Picard plays in Inner Light, is that woven into the theme of the show, the show? I think there are uh, a few notes here and there, but it oh. hasn't stuck out at me. But okay. I definitely think the flute in the opening uh, theme was probably chosen because oh, of yeah, yeah. of that. Um, and which, by the way, I love the opening theme. I, yeah. I uh, beautiful. It is beautiful, beautiful music. And I actually like the disco- it's the same guy who did Discovery. I love his music. He does great. Um. It, it is great. Uh, I'm really hoping, though, that for the Nickelodeon show or something, uh, we get a, another uh, brass and, and strings uh, arrangement type thing. Because The Nickelodeon show will be uh, electronic dance music. Oh, so we need a banger. Are you kidding? We need, like, Invader Zim. 
don't yeah, know, yeah. Well, that'll be the lower decks one, but yeah, the Nickelodeon <laughs> one will be, be a Calliope. Yeah, space Calliope. Um, I I love the subtleties of uh the choices that they make, uh, and they don't necessarily really hit you over the head with them. I like the idea of, um, you know, a a a, a race of they're not a race. I don't know what you call a collection of nuns. What's a herd of nuns called? Um, nuns who their order. A nunnery, well, a nunnery, I guess. Yeah, an order, an order, right? Yeah, their order, order is yeah. is you know an opposition to the secrecy of uh, of the Tal Shiar and you know the Romulan people in general. So they tell the truth all the time. Like that's a neat thing to have them be like the anti Romulans. And then also there's um, that saying that they have that a promise is a prison. And I can't help but feel that Picard will find that these a lot of these promises that he's making are going to lock him into certain prisons as well. Yeah, it was very foreshadowing, for sure. Well, it's also interesting to me that, and then what, of course, do they do? They give their word to 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 bind their sword to a cause. So right. they are basically people who are constantly, when they choose a cause, imprisoning themselves. That's well, because at the end, he said that the that they only bind themselves to a lost cause. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I would think that ones they feel are a lost cause, it won't... Yeah. It's not necessarily always a lost cause, but hopefully this won't be. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that, that's pretty emo. Uh, we find out that this week the captain thinks that you know he likes to be um, what considering the you know, existential living with the consciousness of his own death or whatever, and it's like <laughs> everybody's real real moody this this week. That's just like that's how it feels. Uh, like this is a little bit of a tangent. Um, like other film majors it's like that's the movies they like (laughs) yeah they're like it's amazing it's just like it's about living and death and i'm like can we just like i i'd love to watch baby driver next week i don't know about you guys (laughs) it it is a little emo teenagery to be reading i don't know who he was reading i'm gonna make up an existential name Voltaire or something. Yeah. I don't know the exact book that he was reading, but I mean, that's something you usually grow out of, um, you know, uh, when you're 16 or 17 and you stop writing, uh, you know, moody poems about how life is horrible. (laughs) Well, Rios isn't there quite yet. Rios would definitely pick watching uh, the bicycle thief over your baby driver. Oh my God. (laughs) Bicycle thief. Speaking of, re- I watched. No, that's so sad because I we watched a clip from the Bicycle Thief in class last week, and everybody was like, "That's an amazing movie," and I was like, "It's amazing," but I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a lot of friends who went to film school. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of Rios and his ship, um, I noticed a couple of things this week that were just right in front of me, but I never contemplated them before. His ship. The design of it is small, and it has no divisions, really. Like, it's just one long fuselage, and the bridge is at the front, and the transporter bay is at the back. And I guess it's convenient, but when you think about hull breaches, you know, or or boarding parties, there's no way to, like, seal off the bridge. Or, you know, where's the warp core? Is that somewhere else? Well, it seems to have a down a downstairs in yeah. Carton City headquarters, so I think there's more to it that we're... That we're not seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Picard's quarters, um, they were kind of cool. I don't know if he's actually living in a holodeck or if it just has uh, holographic projectors in his quarters. And the second I saw that, 
I knew overseeing seven of nine this week because really? yes, because what has like yeah when the, when that ship came in that was like what's this weird ship I was like seven of nines on there because what has boggled me my mind is that we see in the previews that she's talking to Picard with a you know stone wall and a fireplace behind her and I thought well when are uh, we going to go back to Earth but if he can bring Earth with him okay we're going to see seven of nine now. I knew it was seven to nine on that ship as well as soon as it came in. Um, and it was astonishingly good to see her. Yeah. I, I, was, I was just I, cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was coming because I knew it, it was her ship and it was just, but that it was, and I'm just going to be fascinated to find out exactly how she's gotten involved. Obviously she's involving herself in this. Right. And, I'm really curious as to why and what her motivation is going to be. Yeah. It's... Well, they got me. I was surprised. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. But then, but she, so then she, it's like, she like beamed in and I like screamed. And then in my head right after I screamed, I was like, I'm going to go on the podcast and Aaron is going to be like, I knew that Jerry, that Jerry oh, Ryan was going to be in this episode because <laughs> <laughs> last week there was a half a second where. <laughs> All right. Well, a half a second before it doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> My my closed captioning still broke, and so uh, I'm not annoyed by it. I'm that, that I am, but I'm not annoyed by the shows continuing to assault us with new names, new memory alpha articles. Uh, but I just I don't like knowing exactly how they're spelled or pronounced. But we get uh, the somebody Rangers in this episode, which sounds kind of interesting. Uh, we get a Romulan it was rebirth like, it movement. Was like Cantar. It was Cantar yeah. something because it Some... sounded like it sounded like Conja Club. <laughs> Conja Club. <laughs> like from the Force Awakens. Hey, tell the Conja Club. Literally, I was just like, can't tell that to Conja Club. <laughs> um, my my uh, closed captioning worked. What's wrong with your closed captioning? I don't. I don't know if it's my TV or what. Uh, it, it works when I watch it on my uh, laptop, but I want to watch it on my TV, and my PlayStation's not uh, not doing its oh, thing. Oh, I see. I have an Apple TV. The captioning works fine. Get an Apple TV. <laughs> well, that's the solution. <laughs> is Apple paying you for that? <laughs> no, I was uh, not paid by Apple to say that. <laughs> uh, we have the Kulak. Say that you were paid by Apple. If you were being paid by Apple, would you say you were part of the Tal Shiar? If you were part of the Tal Shiar? Yeah, I, I, I in fact would because <laughs> well, I'm married, so I don't live in absolute candor. But <laughs> I'm also stupid, so sometimes I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a great point because they're having a conversation about honesty and he has to be honest with her, but of course not absolutely Condor. What was going on in, I mean, it was cute, I guess, but like what was going on in the scene where they were sliding around in the, in the board corridor or whatever? I I gotta tell you, that struck me as weird. Yeah. I'll tell you what it was, is he was like, he's like, that character is like putting, he's like. Two plus two equals a girl falling in love with me. <laughs> and he's like, what we're going to do is something like like fun, like silly. Like I'm going to act silly yeah. <laughs> and we're going to do something fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, now, I, I've been married a while now. And, and so oh God, it's been, here we go. <laughs> it's been some time. But I cannot imagine me ever wooing my wife before she was married to me by saying, hey, let's take off our socks and slide on the floor. And that that would have... I mean, I, I, I don't does, – does that – young people, does that work? <laughs> um, listen, if I was on 
a Borg cube with an off-brand Ethan Peck, and he was like, no, it's a Borg <laughs> ritual, I'm serious. And then he just took off his shoes and slid across the floor. That would be kind of funny. I I'm going to lie about that. I want you to tweet both actors and make sure that the the one playing Narek knows that you called him an off-brand Ethan Peck. I say that every episode. He said he that is. before. But have you pointed it out to them? No, I fe- I um imagine that uh that's maybe a like it would maybe sound mean. I don't mean it to be mean. I just mean that he's an off-brand Ethan Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 he's the one you get at Walmart. He's at uh, well, not maybe not that far. <laughs> Like well, he's the one. He's friend. the one made by. Like he's the evil one. So like Jeff Bezos made him. Like he's he's Alexa. <laughs> he's Alexa, and and you know, is his arc? But by, by the way, do we think it's going arc. to be where he arc his character arc? Is it going to be where he finds he is actually falling in love with her and doesn't see her as a destroyer or a danger and is is going to you know help her in the end? It better be after all this. A, little a lot bit of sliding both. for, for not, no payoff. I'm just every scene, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And maybe that's like my own thing. Maybe it's because I watch it with my dad every week. But I don't. It is unsettling. <laughs> it's unsettling yeah. because he's he's constantly lying to her and trying to woo her feelings. And, and that is it's it feels predatory. So that's you know, why it's uncomfortable. Right. You're right. He was the wrong Romulan to send then, because you got to close your heart. <laughs> Although uh, it's good good to know that uh, if you want a good first date with Ella, just go to your high school uh, and uh, wait till they wax the floors, <laughs> and then uh, good time. It's had by all. Uh, I ha- I'm struck this week for sure, previous weeks a little bit of what I think is the impending doom or death of Jean Luc Picard at the end of this series. This series or this season. Oh, I'm already greenlit for two. It'd be weird if he was gone. <laughs> we had to do another season of this. But I think we're leading up to a finality that involves fatality. Uh, I've thought about that, and I, I am deeply, deeply afraid. <laughs> yeah, Maybe when he's, when he's you know, tired and doesn't want to do it anymore. I, I think actors do like um, their character deaths because that's something meaty to play. So I could see him saying, hey, let's do this, and I want to do that. Uh, but uh, the quality of the writing of this series has been really, like I said, the, the, it sings. Um, the, only the exposition episode was a little, you know, because it was exposition. It yeah. still was interesting. Right. It just, I wanted them to get to it faster. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I trust them to do it right. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest and say I did not like how Kirk died that much in uh, well, Generations. You know, yeah. uh, I think a lot of people didn't, and I trust that it will be a lot better than that. It'll be a lot better than Tasha Yar's black flip, backflip of death from a puddle of goo. I mean, that's a low bar. <laughs> that is a low bar. Um, which, by the way, I hate that episode. Um, I, I, the reason I hate that episode is because in that Crusher has like a phaser to her head, I think. And, and she's saying she's afraid to die. And then either in the episode before the episode after they're uh, they have some people from the 20th century and they're chastising us because we were afraid to die. 
Well, <laughs> so are you that week, I mean, or next week, whichever. So get off my case. Anyway, I went off on a really weird rant tangent. Pardon me. Uh, uh, yeah, um, that musician guy was just afraid to die if he didn't get his hands on some uh, low-mileage pit woofies. So as long as that happens, <laughs> then everything's all right. That was a long walk for that one. Uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite cinnamon roll, or our new favorite cinnamon roll on this show. Uh, we meet, of course, Elnor at the monastery. This is this is a character who feels like he wandered in from another movie or series. You know, this is like, except for the fact that he's Romulan, it's one of the least Star Trek characters I can think of. It's like when you um, are playing like a role-playing game and your friend's little brother wants to play, and to get him to shut up, you let him do whatever he wants. And so you're all space people, but there's one samurai for some reason. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. I think I really like it. <laughs> but I can I can recognize that it's like, this character's... I, you, you never see this character on, like, TNG. I did, I did wonder why uh, they all had swords in a world where... Um, energy weapons are i would guess i would assume so easy to come by because um, of the drama <laughs> well i understand elegant. that from a, from a from a from from a uh a, a perspective of it looks good and it's cooler i totally get it but it's it's like one of those uh scenes where you see the aliens who have spacecrafts and yet they're warming themselves around you know giant oil cans with fire right <laughs> and it's just it's it's so uh, 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 discongruous, incongruent, one of those words. I'm supposed to be a writer. Um, incongruous, incongruous. It's you know what I mean. Yeah. It looks weird. Um, <laughs> so I I don't. But at the same time, I don't. I don't feel like he was dropped in from another movie because here you're basically saying good guy ninja, uh, female assassin types, and they raised him. I'm okay with all of that. Sure. And. I've been wanting to see one of the things that TNG did that I didn't like is they seem to make all alien cultures look very homogenous. Yeah. Like Romulan culture was one way. And now we're seeing Romulan culture was about 70 different ways. And that's, you know, earth culture is about 70 different ways. So why not? So I'm happy to see all of it. Yeah, that's cool. I just, I'm just thinking that like the, the way that that scene kind of breaks down and the way that, that character uh, is kind of used in the show is reminded me of Ella maybe can, can back me up on this. Like the way that something like star Wars is always compared to Westerns and Westerns themselves are often compared to samurai films. You've got this situation where Picard's got to have a sword fight with this guy who's a formula Senator. And then here comes, here's Elnor, you know, (laughs) drop it or I drop you, you know, that kind of situation. (laughs) And and by the way, what about Picard's anger um, at uh, at Elnor for killing him? I was so glad that he did that. Yeah. And the first thing he does is he's like, he just throws the sword down. He's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that was great. That was very Picard. I, I mean, maybe I should have, maybe I should have known myself better, but I was expecting this character to annoy me. Like you said, it feels like he's dropped out of a completely different franchise. And I am, I'm, I'm living. It's the dream. Are he's, he's gonna, he's like Picard's bodyguard. And he was raised by a bunch of warrior nuns who fence. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs> but but it, all of that 
is all of that is the set dressing and the root of the character that we saw in this episode is a little boy who idolized this man who left yes. him behind. Who no, that is the root yes. of the character, and yes. everything else is the plate. But the meal of this story is he wants Picard's recognition and love, and yeah. we're eating good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, <laughs> I am being. Dig in. Fed <laughs> by the Picard team. Oh my god! <laughs> I liked how when they first were doing their meeting, and he's like, "Okay, all right, you know, tell me your story. I'll I'll tell you if uh, you get the job or not." And he's <laughs> he's supposed to be professional, but it gets so personal because he's like, "I had a friend that I miss very much. Did you miss me? Uh, his name is Data. Uh, he there was he, he has a child. Oh, like I was a child. Like okay, come on, come on guy. you're a pro. It's the absolute candor." Right. Yeah, exactly. But, but I'll tell you, is as much as, you know, the way you just sort of portrayed that back and forth makes it seem a little over the top. But the way the dialogue was actually written made it really work without mm-hmm. I didn't feel it hammered into me. I felt some real true emotions. And by the way, I, I got to say, I'm guessing the obviously Patrick Stewart is an amazing actor. Um, and comes in with that. But I, I, I'm guessing that the, the actor, Evan is his name, right? Yes. And, uh, and Jonathan Frakes had a lot to do with making that scene work. Yeah, and it really does work. And I love the uh, yeah, how P- mad Picard gets uh, when they get back on board. And he makes him do a T2 swear, you know. Don't, you can't kill anybody. So he'll just have to, like, <laughs> stab everybody's knees from here on out. I love, I love these references. <laughs> that's all I. That's all I got. That's my whole thing. Uh, at one point, uh, I think it's during the Romulan Lannister scene. Uh, they're talking, uh, uh, Rizzo and um, and sexy uh, Doctor Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and they're they're talking about uh, how they have to be careful because they don't want to activate Soji, and they're going to say they say that they have to kill them, kill all of them. Uh, seems to imply that there's more than just Soji out there. In terms of well, they're assuming they, they think, yeah, they think there's more. Yeah, they're they're assuming that there's more. Um, I mean, if you have the technology to make two, why wouldn't you be making others? Would be their that's their fear for whatever reason. Um, but I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I would prefer that they're wrong and that there's not, you know, a, yeah. a million of them out there. Um, because I think it's cooler when the characters are afraid of more of an idea than an actuality. That's the way I read that scene. I was like, I didn't believe at all that there were more. I was like, they just think there's more because they figured out there's two, you know? Right. Um, I could see not making more than two because it's irresponsible. (laughs) I mean, if you're making what is essentially uh, a sentient or proto-sentient life form, then it's like, well, you gotta gotta take care of this thing. It's the whole rap that Picard gives to Data when he makes LOL. He's like, oh boy, I wish you'd uh, ask me about this. (laughs) Um, But Data has a point that uh, it's kind of his decision to make. Uh, Yeah, I think Data at the time said, so the other crew members, if they want to have children, have to ask you? Yeah. What if the answer was yes? That'd be interesting. <laughs> of course, they all do. Well, that would yes, be... Yes, prima nocte. Hashtag me too TNG. Oh, my God. <laughs> me too TNG. Okay, well, I got to get off the air so I can work on some uh, memes for that. Uh, let's <laughs> see here. There's one more thing that I liked. I like the uh, La Serena so far, but it doesn't hasn't done anything that cool. But I liked how uh, now in the... Um, 
the burgeoning near 25th century, they've got like heads up, literal heads up displays that float near their heads. And then when they did this like maneuver, this, you know, alpha evasion maneuver, uh, Rios and, and uh, Rafi kind of lean into it. And the uh, floating H, uh, the floating HUD goes with their heads, which I thought was kind of neat. It's like they're wearing something, but they're not. Well, that makes I didn't sense. notice that at all. I, yeah. I noticed it, but but that makes sense because if a sensor can track your movement, why can't it move the hologram in relationship to your your face? Sure. Why don't they have if they've got all this holographic technology? Would it be um, advantageous to completely eliminate um, seeing the bridge? Like, what if you were just flying? <laughs> would would flying in the void or maybe seeing yourself as the ship give you an advantage in uh, in a tactical situation? Sometimes when you play a video game, you can set the camera so that you are, have a POV. You're just seeing the outside world. Or you can sort of back off and see yourself, the car, the ship or, that you're driving. I wonder about that. As a cool one-off effect, yes, but not as a, uh, not, not as a dramatic uh, set scene for people to talk to each other on. Yeah, you don't want to see Rios just flying with his ass in space. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's uh, we covered just about everything I can think of. Anything else that you guys wanted to mention before we wrap up here? God, I don't know. I just really, I really love this episode. It, I'm, I'm very excited for next week. Yeah, next week looks nuts. Yeah, maybe it's the Frakes touch. I don't know. It it ticks all of my boxes. Um, Same. Like I- the, the only, like I say, the only thing that is moving a little slowly for me is the stuff that's happening on the Artifact Cube. And I get it from a writer's standpoint because you don't want to – you don't want to broadcast your punch. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you all, but you also don't want to only see the Artifact Cube in this third or fourth episode because – then you're not you're not stringing people along and letting them know, hey, there's this other story going on. You're right. dropping in on them. So I totally get why they're doing it, but I I count my frustration as I just want to know. Right. right <laughs> so right. so that's <laughs> that's not a bad frustration to have. That's it's good if I'm eager to know. What if our introduction though, like, what if we've been looking forward this whole time, and all of a sudden, Picard and the squad are like, oh, her. Her signal, it's coming from inside of this gigantic Borg cube. Right. You'd that, be like, that... it's coming from where? Yeah, that the cube coming is there on their destination. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's uh, by the way, I, I saw the... Uh, uh, there are people, and I, I can see why they're thinking it, that think that Dr. Gerard, Gerardi, Gerardi? Yeah. The, 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 the foremost uh, Tilly scientist. Yes. Um, Who's who's getting a lot of sort of Tilly, uh, you know, di- type dialogue um, that she's working for for O for for Commodore O, and um, I got to tell you, I really hope not because she would have to be with her personality that we've seen before she met with O. Uh, she'd have to be extremely deep undercover and really good at pretending and fooling people. Um, so I hope that that's not going there. And that she's really there because I think this is my personal uh, idea that she actually did have a hand uh, in creating um, the twins and she knew about uh, their creation and she wants to find them and save the second one, too. That is a good idea. That is that's what we didn't talk about. We didn't we didn't put our tinfoil hats on this episode. 
Uh, okay, let's now, do it. So I don't else? like the idea that she's a plant. Do you, do either of you guys think that she's a plant? I don't like it, but last week Aaron said it, and I can't unsee it. Every reaction <laughs> shot, I'm like, that was suspicious. Well, I think that, well, I don't know about that. I, I think that, you know, she could be a sleeper agent and not know that she is. So I don't think it's good. She's I waiting think it's... to be activated. Yeah, it right. It was all the way to the top. I think that um... it's... I think that's overused, but and I don't think the show has done anything too much like that yet. Um, kind of you know tropey stuff, but if they were going to, I think there's precedent for it. It just if she if she was a spy, she comes in. She's like, "Is this a secret meeting, or am I allowed in here? Am I, is it a secret? Like, which was she's so <laughs> the actress know. is amazing. I love the character. I don't really want her to be undercover, but like if she was undercover." Wouldn't you, you be she's... like, oh, they hate androids? Really? <laughs> I, want her, I want her to be undercover in the sense that she has an agenda and she hasn't said all that her connection is to it. But I don't want it to be nefarious. I yeah. want it to be she also wants to save Soji. I that love that. Be a good like, yeah, sort of double blind situation where she is a traitor or, you know, or a uh secret actor but it's yeah it's for a positive thing so i'm gonna i'm switching to that now ella well, yeah we get the conspiracy but she's but she's you know lawful good or whatever chaotic good <laughs> yeah chaotic, chaotic good. good that's the one we're yeah yeah well i think that's it for our show this week thanks for joining us listeners if you like what you hear you can follow us on facebook and twitter at eist pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both enterprising individuals and discoverage are released and you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag discoverage or email us at eistpod at gmail.com also while you're on the internet why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show feed give us a rating and a review because it really helps us out if you want to help the show grow you can stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EIST pod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discoverage will return on February 20th for the fifth episode of Star Trek Picard entitled Stardust City Rag. And I don't remember that one from my Joplin book. We'll be going live once again at 7 p.m. Central, so join us then. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at EIST Pod to get notified when we're live and broadcasting. In the meantime, check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I'm joined by a special guest to discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek sphere and interviews with special guests. And our latest episode dropped today. Uh, on the episode, I'm joined by writer and sex worker activist Maggie McNeil to discuss sex work in the Star Trek universe and on our own planet as well. So go check that out. Ella, thanks as always for joining me to talk about the, this episode of Picard. Uh, remind people where they can find you online. Yeah, we are at uh, Generations Geek on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, and Generations Geek wherever you find podcasts. So uh, again, we have our own separate channels now. So likes mean a lot, reviews mean a lot. Um, and coming up, we'll have an episode uh, talking about uh, who I saw on stage in London. Oh, boy. Very and, exciting. Yeah. And Dave, it's always great to have you. Where can people find you online? Uh, thank you. It's always great to be here. Uh, I mill around smartly on uh, on Facebook and on uh, Twitter. I think I have an Instagram. I don't use it enough. But I'm at Dave Gallanter on Twitter, um, uh, usually blathering. And uh, all of that too frequently. And uh, please go buy my book, Star Trek Discovery Dead Endless, 
And even if you don't like it, give me a review so I know why. What's that? Cre- <laughs> yeah, that criticism. Uh, is there anything that you're working on that you can share with us? Uh, I am not. I am focusing on some family life right now. Oh, so okay. uh, that is that is making me uh, that is that is making me feel very fulfilled. Awesome. Well, that's it for us. Thanks for listening. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella and Dave saying live long and prosper. 